0: Hello and welcome to the Health for Mzansi podcast. I'm Donumdi, your host, super new to the sector and here to learn and share truly extraordinary stories of our Mzansi health heroes. Today, we will share a tale of unwavering determination, resilience, and the power of compassion that's transformed not only the life of one remarkable woman, but an entire community. In the heart of a small farming town in Prince Alfred Hamlet in the Western Cape is where Sister Melissa Willemser grew up, surrounded by her cousins, where financial challenges were no stranger. But her grandparents, her pillars of strength, taught her the value of hard work, determination and the importance of caring for others. Melissa's determination to break free from the cycle of poverty was undeniable. She aspired to achieve a respectable job that could change the lives of her family and her community. I grew up in Hamlet
1: on a farm with my grandma and my grandpa. I can remember all of our parents, my cousins. We were like eight to nine almost cousins grew up together in one house. My mom worked in Cape Town somewhere at the time. My grandma and grandfather were there. He was the only like provider because my mom and her sisters it was also working in Cape Town. They didn't earn that much. So you can think like eight to nine cousins only on a grandpa's allowance. Most of the days I was waking up in the morning, then there's no tea or something to eat. Then my grandma will make a plan during the day for us to have something to eat to provide for us. Growing up with my grandparents was actually a struggle for me, I would say, because I took part in sports. I was a sports person, Nepal, cross country at that time. Today, we're actually making fun with my cousins about that. Every Saturday, it doesn't matter where we had to go, if it's Port Elizabeth, or if we go and have sports in Piaudu, or in Sears, or if I go to Johannesburg. I remember we went on a tour for a week to out what it was nice for a week, then my grandma just gave me three free rent. Every Saturday when we went out for our athletics or playing netball, my grandma only count until a two rent. Two <laughs> rent only, so we like cousins are making fun about that actually, but that is how we grew up today, but I didn't let that put me back. I was just thinking, one day I want to have a nice job, my mom worked at the house. She was working for other women, cleaning their homes. So I was thinking, I'm not going to live like that. I want to be the change if it's in my family. Mm. I'm the only child of my mom, but I was never spoiled. I remember she let me come and visit by her house in Biawal only once a year. And it was the week before Christmas. Then she would buy me a nice dress for Christmas, something to wear on New Year, something new. And then my school stuff, if it's a school panty, or shorts, or tackies, or shoes, then she will buy that stuff for me for the next year. Only the stuff that I needed at the time. So there was never, like, stuff that she could buy for me during the year. So I grew up accepting that. So that's why I was thinking, in my life, I want to become more. I don't want to stay stagnant. We grow up on the farm the year after my matric. We wait to love in town.
0: Little did she know that her journey into the healthcare sector was about to begin in an unexpected way. As a forklift driver in a cold storage facility, her manager noticed her potential and insisted that she attend first aid training. This is where her caring for others ignited a passion for nursing in her. This is a very really funny story.
1: After my matric year, I went and worked at roads. that was set-go at the time. So I was a forklift driver there for five years. I worked with men, with guys only, in the cold stores. And then they came out to act at the time. For every 50 people on the premises, they're supposed to have a first-act officer. All the injuries stamps, contusions, whatever, for that person, they had to point up that person there for that person to help the patients or the your co-workers. So my supervisor, maybe he saw something in me, he just sent me to do the level one It course. Me, on the other end wanted to go into the police. I applied to the police, I wait for induction, I wanted to go to the army, but that never worked out because I never even got a reply. So, my manager sent me he just write my name for this first eight course level one. That was now the CPR, over the basic life support. And I was a little bit angry because I was thinking, You didn't ask me. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> yeah. And he just said, Melissa, just go. Just go and just go and see what is going on there. I can still see him showing me with that. Just go. So, I went and then we did the CPR and then we did wounds. And then I was thinking, but I like this. I like turning the bandage around someone's arm or finger. I love this. So, I went and did that at work. So, if anyone got a small injury or something, then I would treat them. The sister there on the premises, she usually gave us a fuzzy box with some stuff in. She taught us what is what and what to do. And then, if anyone gets injured, then I will treat them. And if it's more severe... Then they will go to the sister, and at the end of the month, she would want our stats. So then it went on for a year, and they she said, but you are really good in this. And then she, the sister at SEPCO at the time, worked together with a staff nurse. I was not a nurse. The staff nurse went and study to become a sister. So now the sister needs a staff nurse to work with her at the clinic on the factory premises. So, then the sister said, but you have the potential. You must go on further your studies and further your career in nursing. And then the factory sent me to do my level 2 and my level 3 first aid course. Then they appoint me in the staff nurse position at the time. I think that was only God. Because I applied for this advertisement that went out for the staff nurse position. But then the sister took me because she saw something in me. But that was how I find that this is what I love. I love to be there for people. I love to be there to be able to help someone. And it's just nice if someone come to you. You know, because all of us are not nurses. If it was not for Mr. they'd we called him at the time, I don't think I would have sat here today and be the proud nurse as I am today. And there, Sister Brenda Apollos, she was the one that always encouraged me. You can't stay here at SEPCO. You must go further because there is more into you than this. And as I was working there with her for another five years, I saw that this is where I want to be. I want to be a nurse. Now I want to go out and go and work in the hospitals. And I resigned there in 2008. In 2009, I applied for this assistant nurse course. And then 2010, I start my course, and I finished the course 2010 November, end of the year. 2011, in March, I received my certificate as an assistant nurse. So I applied the same day when my, I got my certificates, I registered certified it, and then I applied to Worcester Hospital. I didn't even know that the forms must go to a certain person. I just sent Worcester Hospital. But God put my application into the right hands. And I started working the 1st of June in Vusta Hospital for three years as assistant nurse. And there I applied again to become a staff nurse, another level higher. And I worked, they paid my full salary. I studied through the hospital. They paid my full study. And then government decided this preaching course to become a registered nurse, a sister as we know. The course is going to phase out. So now I was sitting there. My dream was to become a sister one day, and then I resigned from Worcester Hospital in 2017.
0: So you spent a quite a bit of time, obviously, going through what I think is actually perfectly aligned to your yes. career. Things just kind of fell into yes. place for can you inside that, and that's amazing. Because sometimes you think that you're gonna go in a certain direction, but then God just has yes. a different plan. Yes. And it definitely speaks to that. I mean, you're sitting here beautiful, shining like all this radiance, just sharing your journey with me. What do you think was the most fulfilling part of that specific time? And also in the work that you do day to day, how do you stay motivated? I'm sure it's not easy. I can tell you it is
1: definitely not easy. Working in a hospital, doctor will give orders and you do that orders and it's that. But in the clinic setup, is we work as sisters independently. So you have to make your own decisions. You make your own choices. You see the patient, you treat the patient, and you must give a follow-up date if the treatment don't work or if you see that it's needed in the test where it's needed. So it is difficult at times because it's a greater risk. Also because we don't have doctors mm. that are working with us every day. So we had to refer if needed. We have a doctor like two days a week, and we work five days a week. So we have Tuesdays and Fridays a doctor. The other days, it's you, the sister alone in her room. They have to make all the decisions. What is motivating is that when that patient comes back to you and tell you, wow, sister, my own leg were burnt, <laughs> And it's like now a hole that is big of a, like five to ten centimeters almost. Sister, I really do appreciate what you've done. Many patients will come back and tell you, wow, Sister, I'm watching you in the hallway. You have that smile. <laughs> sister, you must always have that smile. You know, if people don't come back to you, tell you things like that, you will go and sit and you will stress, you will be depressed because that helped you. Actually, now you coming to work every day and you know that you give your best, but now you know that people do notice.
0: But life took an unexpected turn when Melissa was diagnosed with cervical cancer after a routine pap smear. She underwent surgery, a painful and emotional challenging experience. Yet, her resilience prevailed and she emerged more determined than ever to raise awareness about early detection and prevention. Melissa is now on a mission to educate and inspire her community about the importance of regular pap smears and HPV vaccinations. Her advocacy for wellness, hygiene and regular checkups emphasizes the critical role that nurses play in healthcare. I did my follow-up pap smear when
1: I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. My 10-year pap smear were negative. It was clean, so I did my follow-up. And I got the surprise. It was like a splash of cold water into my face. Because when I did the pap smear, I didn't get any symptoms. It was just my follow-up. I didn't get my symptoms that I could be afraid for anything or maybe waiting for I would get a negative feedback or nothing. So I checked my results before the doctor could even give me my results. So then I saw the adenocarcinoma cancer. I know what it is. You know, it's the cancer that spreads to the lungs, to the breast, to the throat, to the stomach, to the colon. Now you sit here, you have to come to work every day. You are having this cancer. But then you must now wait for the doctor because the doctor must see you. And then the doctor did saw me and told me. And now you know, don't know, how big is the cancer and what stage it is. So you have to come back to work every day. And you have to have that smile. You have to help your patients with it. But I can remember, I just wanted to cry all the time, that time. But I had to be here for my patients. So, they made me appointment at Vostas, where they had to do a biopsy, to parts of my cervix, to send away. So, when that results came in a month's time, our doctor said, this is stage red. That is what you're going to do. That is your route forward. So, then they they can do something about that. But then when doctor told me, this cancer is bad, the road doesn't look good for it. the best thing for you would be, have your whole womb removed. I had a total abdominal hysterectomy. It was not nice. It was like not a bad experience. Things were crazy for me. Things were crazy for my family. Because now I had to go and tell my husband. I had to go and tell my children. And you could feel the atmosphere at home. No one could be happy. I'm the talkative, smiley person, usually at home always. But yeah, I was that person, Sister Willemser. When I was at work, I just wanted to be at home because there I could sit and not smile. Everybody in the clinic didn't know I was diagnosed with cancer. People would have wondered what is with Sister Willemser today, why she not smiling because we don't know her. So I had to put up with doing my work the way I did it, always. Was diagnosed. So now I heard they're going to do that. And I went for the total abdominal hysterectomy. And I was for weeks down. I'm still here. And I still have the pains. Even if I go, I have to go to the toilet. It's months after my operation. I have still the pains. Even if I go to the toilet, it's still so. That's why today, you know, I'm still surprised, and I can't believe it that they still women, especially they don't have pap smears done. I would believe from 30 years up, all the women would have their pap smears done already, but I still got patients coming to the clinic, and they from 30 to 45 years of age, and they never have a pap smear done ever. So that's why I'm so passionate to put this out there, to have this campaign and to have the talks for women to do their pap smears. Because we can identify HPV and cervical cancer at the early stage, even breast cancer, because when we do the pub smear, we also do the breast examination and if the woman don't know how to do, I'll show them how to do it. You can line your bed and into the examination, and many women what I found is don't know if the breast if you had the injury around your breast area, they can also in a few years. Can develop into cancer? That's why I'm so passionate about this. Because I went through this bad ordeal. With this HP vaccine, it's only going to be given at schools. We are having this campaign starting on the 5th of October until the eighth of October in the Cape Winelands district. Teachers will send letters with the children to their parents to fill in these forms. And then they can come at the schools. They're going to give the injection. District. Valley district, Langeberg, Stellenbosch, and Drakkenstein. So that is the schools in the districts where teachers were sent this later. So the sisters are going to give this vaccine. When I was young, this vaccine wasn't there. The injection against HPV, because HPV itself, if you have that infection, and it go on for years and years, then it can develop into cancer. And that is what happened to me. But when I was young, the HPV injection wasn't there. So that's why I want to motivate parents to fill in that form for their daughters to get this injection against HPV, that they don't have to go in a few years' time through this bad ordeal that I went through. This process that I went through.
0: Obviously, this was a very difficult time for you, and as it sounds, you're still, like, your story or body is still recovering. Still recovering. What would you say, again, to encourage young women to take their health seriously? I always love in all the state clinics and all the sometimes even in private hospitals, they have that mirror yes. that says you are in charge of your own health. Yes. And sometimes I stand there I'm like, okay, what have I done today to make sure that yes. I'm healthy? Yes. Yes. And at Health of Zanzi, we talk about health being a journey. Because after yes. it's very overwhelming. Yes. You think, okay, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How much is it going to cost? Do I go to a state yes. facility? How long am I going to wear yes. But I think it is important just to take that first step. So how does one go about it? If I'm aware now, I can listen to this podcast. I've listened to your experience. Where do I go?
1: Woman yelping first, I will say start with yourself. Hygiene, number one. I just did three weeks ago, two presentations at two schools to the children about hygiene. Start with that first. And then for this thing, I would say if you do on and if you're even a young woman, we usually will do pub smears from age 30 years. But if you're young and you have regular vaginal infections, discharge, itchy, menstruation that is heavy, or periods that are longer than usual, women must be alert on that. Go to your nearest clinic. The sisters are there, it is for free. Go and talk to your sister, tell sister, sister, I have this regular itchy, I have this regular discharges and it's smelly. If you have that type of symptoms, go to your nearest clinics. We do the pap smears for you for free, and there we can detect if you have HPV or possible cervical cancer.
0: Over the years, you've obviously seen things changing. Since you started your career within the healthcare sector, what do you think should change, and what do you think the future should look like for healthcare in this country? How do you see it growing towards, but also things and ways that we can do better? Just keeping in mind your journey within the sector.
1: Staff wellness. If our employer can do more for staff wellness. First, if you have a happy sister, a happy nurse, if you have a happy employee, they're going to do even more than they were supposed to do. And then technology. Technology for me is actually a good thing. Because it will help us progress in our work. It help us at the moment to do our job better and even quicker. Because in the past we had to wait longer to, uh, to get our results. Like for instance, I'm sitting with this HP meter here. In the past we had to draw the blood of the patient and we had to send the blood to the lab. Now we have this smart machine. If you put it on, it works like a phone almost. You just... Break the patient's finger, and you scan the stuff, and you take some of the blood, like you do sugar test on the person, and you get the patient's INR results immediately. So now the patient don't have to go back and wait until we have to change the medication. So we have to add or make the medication less if the INR is high or less. So technology, I would say, is also a very good thing for us. Stay motivated, sisters. In what you do, because I believe all of us, there's a reason. Because, like I said earlier, not all of us can do this, what we do. You must have some balls to do what we are doing. Stay motivated, keep your passion. I know we have our ups and our downs, but take the challenges that come with it. And even if you accept technology, I worked with nurses, they don't want to accept this new technology, but it's a great help for us. It's a great job, not even for us, but for the patient's sake.
0: Today, Sister Melissa serves as a mobile nurse at the Tilbach Clinic in the Wittenberg municipality in the Western Cape, bringing vital health care services to remote communities. Her daily work includes caring for the chronically ill, Administering immunizations and conducting regular checkups for patients of all ages. I'm the mobile sister and I enjoy it and love it. Love my patients. My <laughs> patients love me.
1: So I'm going every day. At the moment, what we do on the mobile is we do the chronic and acute and then the immunization. Our babies yep. from birth until six years of age. We're giving their immunization. So they get immunizations six weeks, ten weeks. 14 weeks, 6 months, 9 months, a year, and 18 months injections that they must have before they go to school. At 6 years of age, they will get another injection. So I went out to the farms and I make sure all these children have a register, which is very nice here as a hospital. If there's a new birth, baby born, they will send me their birth form and the form where the person is. So I take that form, I put it in my register just for me to know which farms I have new babies. So I make sure I go and get their babies. Babies to give them their immunization, the stuff that they need to have, like the measles, their actions, PCD. So. And then I have the family plannings so that women they are working, they don't have to come to clinic, leave their job and come to the clinic for just the family planning. I go out there and do these things. I have a roster. All the farms, they know their dates which day I'm coming to which form, and then I have my chronics, diabetic, hypertensive, like now. So I go out to the form, I do your blood pressure, and I will do, we do the HIV tests also. When you test positive there, I draw the blood, your creatinine, and your cd and then I'll start you that day. You start, and then you can go in the HIV register, so that it can go up to uh, district offices. Hypertensive, diabetes, epilepsy, asthmatic patients. I go out, I do the observations. Once a year, we do all of the, the patients that are on medication. We do their bloods every once a year. What is so nice, I, is my own doctor in the clinic, have their own doctor. Okay. So my doctor is coming once a week, she's coming tomorrow. And then I run the scripts. Doctor will sign the scripts and then I send it. The tablets came from Cape Town. Okay. Some of the tablets that pack at Sears and the <laughs> pharmacy. For my community, it's amazing. How many farms do you service in this area? I have 87 farms. They oh. not oh, That's amazing. Yes, and I have one crash. So I will do like 50 to 90 patients, children, at a crash. That's why if I go to a crash, I only do them for their day. That's
0: absolutely amazing. You're smiling almost from ear to ear, just talking about that. It's like I'm taking the clinic to the farms. Her story is a testament to the power of determination, resilience, and the unwavering commitment to helping others. She embodies the spirits of compassion, and the pursuit of a brighter future for all. Melissa's message to fellow nurses is simple but profound. Take care of yourself to better care for others. I think I'm going to repeat that one. Take care of yourself to better care for others. We must at least try and do once a month also our
1: observations because we never do it. I never did for the year my sugar check or blood pressure. You know, HP, we never do things like this. To all my colleagues, it doesn't matter wherever you are because this is a thing of the nursing staff in our profession. Because we have a love for what we do and we just want to be there for the patients. But at the end of the day, we forget ourselves because we just push and push to help mm-hmm. the other patients. For my colleagues, is take a step back in your everyday work life and look at yourself and try and observe yourself. Like I said, look in the mirror. What can I do for myself today? For yelp reasons. Keep your hand on yourself because we can't be sick to help our patients. And for the patients, I would say you must be like so happy to have us here to do this. The clinic look like this every day and they get the help for free. Just come to the clinics or wherever you can get the help. You will wait for a little bit of time, but I can assure
0: at the end of the day if you get your help it will be the best year that you will get. Wow, what an inspiring woman in Mzanzi's healthcare sector. We hope that Sister Melissa Vilimsa's incredible journey serves as a source of inspiration for you. Remember, resilience knows no bounds, and compassion is the heart of nursing. Until next time, stay strong, stay dedicated, and keep caring, just like Sister Melissa Vilimsa. And that's a wrap. I can't wait to share more incredible Mzanzi health hero stories with you weekly. From me, Donumdu, our technical producer Megan Defend, and the rest of the hashtag teamhealthmzanzi. Bye for now.